0: I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to
1: be- Hello listeners and welcome back to the Campbell's Football's Podcast with Dr Grant Campbell Once again your host for this episode of the show I'm delighted to be joined by a legend of the Irish League eh, Former Cliftonville, Glenavon, Coleraine and Carrick Rangers midfielder Barry Johnston Barry, a warm welcome to the show
0: Thank you, Grant. Thank you very much for having me.
1: It's great to have you on. Uh, how have you been coping with these very strange times we're living in with COVID-19 at the moment?
0: Well, between me and you, I was listeners don't think uh, you know, like too offensive, but I'm going to strangle the two kids, if I'm being honest, this, this last it's, it's, time. It's absolutely destroying me. If it's this homeschooling, and I just shared it down the stairs, there and I just go and play your PlayStation for an hour, so I could do this. So yes, very uh, testing
1: times for my patients, which is wearing very thin. Yeah, absolutely. What were you doing before COVID? Because you were obviously retired for a few years now, um, which we'll come on to chat about. What were you doing before the COVID struck? Well, I am uh, a full time
0: coach during the day at the. Um, the Football Management Academy it, uh, It's run out Windsor Park And it's a partnership with Niffle You know who run our, the Irish League So I coach uh, Basically two teams Every day for a, for a living So they get two hours a day Three times a week on the pitch And I was doing that And of course like everything else And especially in being affected Once they went into lockdown that was it We were just shut down and told it Football's taken away, your livelihood's taken away, so pretty much the same as everyone else, you know, it was just one of those things that completely took us back surprise, but you had to adapt to.
1: Yeah, that must have been a really frustrating time for you during the whole lockdown period at the beginning anyway.
0: Of was madness um, the, the fact a bit of a blessing for me because I'm actually doing a part time degree as well so I had a bit more time to focus on that so it, um, it allowed me to still have you know, basically get something worthwhile done in a, in a lockdown time and when you had a bit of free time but at the same time having to do that, like I said the homeschooling with kids that's not really good for me and
1: <laughs> we would not see you I, teaching I just,
0: anytime I'm, soon <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely just finished the teaching module that very just yesterday I actually, and uh, I can tell you, no, definitely not teaching kids anyway, (laughs) in the age group of five to six, not for me, but it was more for uh, the kids that I I felt for, you know, we were talking about you before we come on, on our, and it was just, um, you know, mentally, kids just, you know, they're probably all I have is football, and I want to be as footballers, and taking that away from them, I think just, you know, you don't know how detrimental it is their health, and it's just good now that we can be back even though it's limited yeah. you know doing doing certain aspects on the pitch and you know even though it's probably 1v1 and just the physical running of it but at least they're out there and they're together and they can socialise a bit so it's, it's good to be back in that, in that sense
1: yeah absolutely we're recording this on the 3rd of november barry and obviously the irish league is back up and running what have you made of it so far <laughs>
0: It's been very good. It's been it's been strange. I mean, you know, the, the, a lot of people are. We get taken aback by Korean uh, start of the season. You know, one point out of the first three games. I don't think no one's seen that. But them going full time last year and the quality signings they've made. I think it's a bit of a shock that they're down where they are. And I think it's no one's really surprised by Limfield, But again, Lorna probably took a few people by surprise. They look outstanding, and they actually played tonight as we speak
1: in mm. the semi-final against yeah, So
0: And then, basically, the rest is just panning out as as was thought. You know, I think you you always know yourself, and one team always comes up from the division below and gets a good run because they're used to winning; they're in a good habit. So. Portadown or do What they're doing they're, they're continuing A good run from last
1: year But whether they can Sustain that You know It's it's getting seen You actually were on Portadown's uh, Commentary game Weren't you at uh, Moreview Park For the match against Glenavon, of course With Thomas Kane
0: I was, uh, I was a, a few times for the BBC You know the radio With Joel and Thomas invited me To do TV one. I really enjoyed it And it was a brilliant game By the way It was first game uh, Derby game First game For uh, both teams Of a new season It was absolutely Outstanding game And I actually coached uh, one of the we well two of the we players that were on the pitch that night, George Tipton being one of them, and the other one was a sub for Getan. And uh, I coached them during the day at the academy, so it was good to see them actually playing, you know, comparatively for their for their own clubs. So it was, it was a really interesting game.
1: Yeah, do you see yourself maybe going into the commentary role? Because obviously you working with Joel and people like Thomas, who know their stuff in the Irish League, they're great guys to work with, aren't they?
0: Uh, they, listen. They're so um, they keep you so um, you know, like they make it very easy for you. So common, they um, Joel doesn't care as long as you bring a bag of sweets. Joel's happy. <laughs> Joel'll eat away as long as you bring, you know, his love hearts, as sweet sweets, as his, his old refreshers, bottle of coke. Joel's delighted. But Thomas is a bit more hard work. Thomas likes to looks after. You know, he, he's he's a bit more. Uh, you know what should I say? Even though he's, he's very calm, he's very detailed. He's the iPad. He's a bit more technical. He looks apart. Thomas definitely looks apart. Whereas Joel's a bit more. Led back you know But very very good company And I really
1: do enjoy it Yeah absolutely Well it was great to, to hear you on commentary. There Certainly the match between Glenhaven and Portdown I watched that it was a really good contest Portdown winning that game 4-2 incidentally Barry it's really great to have you on the show I'm really looking forward to chatting with you About your career in the Irish League And learning a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment My first question I always like to ask my guests is What made you want to go into football in the first place? Uh, I think it was
0: just from when I was a kid. Grant, yeah, it was just um, I think it's it's in our family. Um, Charlie Tully was a great uncle of mine, my mother's um uncle, and he played for Celtic, Glasgow Celtic, and then, you know, growing up, my uncle Brenton, he had a good career in Irish League with Cliftonville and Portadown. My uncle Kieran. The CM he played for Cliftonville, I and mean, then my cousins, Pat Wall, played for Linfield and Cliftonville. Peter Cadwell who I won the league with twice, played for Cliftonville. My to have a good career, so I think it's just one of those things. It's just in our family football, and it was just one of you know. I never played Gaelic, never played hurling. Probably too rough for me. Mm-hmm. the uh, traditional Irish sports. So we lived down south, the my dad actually never showed any interest in any other sports, only football. So one of those things. I just think you know, it's it's in your blood, and that's what I want to be. Of course, like every young young fella, I'd say.
1: You know, want to be a footballer, but lucky enough, I was able to go and have a, a decent enough career. You mentioned the Gaelic football, and obviously, I've spoken to Owen Bradley on the podcast, and it was really interesting to hear his transition from the Gaelic to football. Was that something that ever it crossed your mind at all to go into Gaelic at all?
0: No. And boys are absolute machines. Owen's, Owen, to be fair, Owen was one of the best, and you know, in Ulster, when he was in his prime. I, do, I know one well enough to know that. But um, I, the hurling was more the sport that I would watch now. You know, the one with the stick and mm-hmm. the little splitter. So I love that. But no, Gaelic football. It's it's a lot of one v one. It's explosive. It's you know, it was. I probably I did play it when I was a kid in school.
1: But when it came to crunch, when it was either going to be football, three nights a week or Gaelic. You know, two night
0: a week it was too much, so you had to pick one or the other. And I was slightly better at well, a lot better at football than I was at Gillig, so I just stuck the saga and, and, and that, that's that's what
1: happened. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Glasgow Celtic alone, and I just wanted to, to tackle about Glasgow Celtic because obviously in Scotland, one of the biggest clubs along with Rangers, was that always a side of the sort of Scottish divide that you were really interested in following from the beginning?
0: Well, it was just because, like I said, uh, like my great uncle played for Celtic. So no matter what, all my family—we always had Celtic taps. We always took over the to Celtic games by my parents, and you know, Celtic buses going every Saturday, every sorry, every Sunday, you know, over the game. So it was probably the easiest game to get to, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just one of those things. I just always I played for the kids, the, like the boys' club over here was Celtic Boys so again it was just one of those things that it was everywhere in my life all my friends were Celtic fans Celtic Boys was my team on a Saturday and you know Glasgow Celtic was my team I came home and used to listen to the radio or if I was lucky enough to be on TV and that's the way it was I just always followed Celtic so I've always just loved them and You know, through the through the very bad times, I have to admit, Grant. The very bad times, the nineties, and that now I'm able to enjoy it a bit.
1: Well, as an Aberdeen fan, well as an Aberdeen fan, I'm still waiting to see some of these glory (laughs) times. So we won't talk about that, especially the recent (laughs) cup semi-final, which uh, didn't go my team's way. But uh, never mind. In terms of uh, footballing inspirations, Barry, who were yours?
0: Well, again, just from watching Celtic, I always loved Paul McStay, and I know, like I am older than. Like the, the generation that's coming through now, playing nice leagues for football, and not many fans might know of Paul McStay. But whenever I was a kid, it was Paul McStay. Him and John Collins. McStay was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, at number eight, the way he, the way he carried himself, his chest. there always the way he, run, he always ran his chest, out and his head up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, he was he, he was iconic with those shorts you no know, with the number eight, no um, no number on the back of a jersey. He was just class, and he just carried himself so well. I think he was so loyal. So it was always Paul McStay, and then. Obviously I started to get a few more games myself As I got older And you went through that generation of Larson You know, Sutton, Paul Lambert They were all players that I loved watching But I would have to say Paul McStay And obviously the one after that Has got to be Henrik Larson
1: Yeah, Larson was just unbelievable I was a little bit um, past McStay When obviously he was at his best But I, I remember John Collins Obviously from, from more of his Scotland times And internationalists I mean, what a terrific player
0: Oh, left foot like a wand when he went and done it for Monaco and he was just outstanding. The premiership with Everton, he fulham, he was he was just class. He just who's class. Uh, he left foot like a wand. I always remember his Predator boots as well, Grant. You know, yeah. he, he, again he was one of them players he just wanted to look like, didn't you want to get the predators on? A bit like Gaza for Rangers I suppose. Yes. Yeah. You wanted to get the predators on and you wanted to be that player when you were playing out in that playground or playing with your mates so yeah they they were my type of players you know
1: yeah absolutely talk to me about how your career started out Barry because I believe you started out at Cliftonville
0: it was so. we finished at Celtic Boys at 16 and our Celtic Boys under 18 manager um, Jim Heaney at the time he then went on to manage Kevin under 18s for a year and he took a lot of us up with him and that was it really we we never really looked back we um, we had maybe six or seven Celtic boys players playing for Clifton Under 18s so we all knew each other and and his coaching back then was all that covier stuff you know so we were miles ahead of probably most most players in our leagues and we went on I think we won the Under 18 league that year and then just gradually moved our way up in the reserve and we were a very good team always competitive always playing the top half of the leagues and uh, that's right At the very top of the league Every year And That just moved to on a graduate progression Then in the first team Made my first team debut And uh, I kind of stagnated After that You know What it was I think it was just a fear Of you know first team football I Genuinely mm-hmm. Crap myself Anytime I was on the pitch With players Probably felt a wee bit Intimidated If I'm being honest yeah. Being so slim And you know Not as muscly Or not as strong As them And it just felt A bit intimidated And then Stagnated And broke my leg And um one of his, what was it, was it 18? I think I made a Clintonville debut at 16, broke my leg when I was 17. And then I was given the opportunity to go into a scholarship out in the States.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought to myself, because it's less physical out there, obviously, you know, you're playing against people your own age, mostly. You know, why not give it a shot? And you don't have to worry about the physical aspect of various league football because... Then it was, you know, it's like Scottish football, it's, it's tough, it's a man's game. The partnership's obviously more speed, power. Yeah. You know, at, at our level, it was just all about um, winning the battle first. And I don't think I would have been able to cough mentally and physically at that, at that age and that time I was in my life. So yeah. I got that opportunity to go to the States and the way I went.
1: What was life like in the States when you went over to it was New Orleans, wasn't
0: it? Uh, we were an our away from New Orleans. It was a place called Biloxi in Mississippi. It was one hour from New Orleans in Louisiana, and it was unbelievable. I think uh, like it was 110 degrees, or, sorry, 110% humidity. You know, most of the summer, you're probably running about 36, 37 degrees every day, trying to play games. We trained six in the morning to avoid the heat, and six again in the evening to avoid the heat, you know, as best we could, but still, it was, like, the, the heat was absolutely incredible. But uh, what a lifestyle, you know, got to do Bourbon Street, got to do spring break on Daytona Beach, and... You know Went to national championships in Tennessee So It was an absolutely Incredible experience And I still keep in touch With the The head coach Of the, the university out there William Carey College
1: Yeah
0: And I, I've actually sent them Over four players Last year From our own academy So brilliant. We still have Yeah So we, we still Offer those You know Those scholarships To some of our players If they're good enough To be given those opportunities If they don't quite make it In England Or the Irish League So you know, it, it was a brilliant time In my life And I've, I've kept Great friends from it that, Actually one of my roommates Andy Barron, he ended up playing the World Cup in New Zealand. He uh, lived over here in Ireland I mean, for for a year and a half and played for Distillery for six nice seven fun. months. So yeah, he went and played. He, he's Pierre Lose He came on against um, Italy in the World Cup final. so wow. And it was good, 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 I don't know, unbelievable. Good standard of players, but very technical. And it, it kind of reset me to come back to Irish League football. Mm. So, you know, it was a good time to go.
1: Yeah. Did part of you want to stay in the States forever?
0: When you went over. No, no. Uh, yeah, listen. The it was the student lifestyle. I wasn't used to it. You know, like having to ask your parents for money, and you know, not really having much. I didn't really. It didn't. I didn't really enjoy that aspect of it. I didn't. Wasn't used to it because I never really studied in school over here. I literally went from playing from working and playing football here to the states where I had to go and live like a student. Yeah. And the the thought of the thought of asking my parents for money. You know, every once in a while, but didn't really have much, it, it kind of killed me, you know. So I just thought two years I'd me, I know oh, I've had enough, I'm ready to come back home and try and earn a living in the Irish League and get a job here. And I, that, that's what I've done.
1: So you moved back to, to Northern Ireland. What happens next in the story?
0: I moved, I literally touched down and. Dublin and on the way home i probably phoned Marty Quinn he was the one who gave me my debut at Cliff Mill, and he was now the manager of Code Ream and action. I asked them, Mar- I him <laughs> ah, <he's> tap, man. <laughs> Listen, I owe Marty so much and you'll probably hear me mention him on the this podcast but he means an awful lot to me he's an absolute legend of a man and he, he's done so much he's like a father figure to me in regards to football so we, uh, I phoned him and a guy from Longford phoned me Alan Matthews and I went and trained by them, but it was miles away and uh, they wanted me back but I went up and trained with Marty the following Thursday it was Longford Tuesday Marty on the Thursday and as soon as I see Marty you know I met Paddy McAllister I knew Jody Tolan I knew Sean Armstrong so I was comfortable up there I knew Francis Murphy it was just the right thing. I had someone to travel with, you know, a car to travel with, and I knew people, it just made me comfortable being around these people, so it was a no-brainer really, the same for Coleraine, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, it was a great
1: time. Coleraine, a very special club in Northern Irish folklore, aren't they? I remember the days of Liam Beckett back in the day being a very successful side, and obviously now under Oren Kearney, really going places once again.
0: An outstanding club, and the history, you know... Um, Harry Gregg being involved with a birdie peacock. The the um you want for nothing at the club. They're kept and coops. Damien and Cooper still speak to him any time ago go up. An absolutely unbelievable fella, and they all remember you, and they're all lovely to you, even though you're an ex-player and you're playing for someone else. Mm-hmm. The the respect that you get going back up, it's incredible. You know, even the the what do you call them, you know the guy who speaks in the microphone before the game, Alan Simpson. He, even them guys, I swear to God, they, they have so much time for you when you go back up. They'll sit and chat away and talk away. But that was a period where Korean were one of the top teams in in the league, and the one. The Irish League, or sorry, the Irish Cup. Um, the year I was there, yeah. I was the obviously left their the squad. And the next year, they got back into the finals So it tells you how you know, like how strong they were. Mm-hmm. And it was just a real strong team: Pat McAllister, Tony Gorman, Steve Biddy. They may me most you, but they were Irish League legends. front and I mean top, mm-hmm. top players over here. Yeah,
1: Tony Pat Pat Gorman's one of the best that's ever played in this player. league. Yeah, Pat McAllister, yeah, he, Tony he, he, Gorman as well was a, another great player
0: that's what I mean and Klaas Pat McCoster he played for Dunfermline and stuff over yeah. there and yep. Scotland as well yeah. so listen it was a tough team for me to, it was a, real tough to get in I wanted to play centre midfield I was never going to get in front of them guys again development ways I was a bit behind then so Marty gave me a chance at right midfield right back you know little positions like that and it was um it was a good grounding for me. It did. it helped me develop again in the Irish League. I think I played ninety nine times for them for Coloring, so you know, the I do owe them an awful lot, even though the fans give me a right bit of a when I did go back as a player, but <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. Love still do like the club I go up and play in, in legend games and stuff for them now, so yeah. You know, I've nothing but good things to say about Coleraine
1: Did you always see yourself as a central midfielder or did you always want to try and see yourself more as a wider player?
0: No, it was, I was away. I was actually a attacking player Believe it or believe it or not And when I broke my leg um, I got nine screws in a plate Put on my ankle I don't know why I was just in your head You know why people tell you You'll never be the same I think I genuinely think I lost I was never really overly quick But I had a little bit of a little bit of pace, but January I genuinely thought that pace had gone. So I just gradually went in the centre midfield and I wasn't really I never was a tough tackler or anything when I was a kid. And then when I went in the centre midfield, I don't know what it was, something about the leg the leg breaks up consciously, maybe I just started putting tackles in that I would never have done years before. Maybe it was playing with Pat McAllister and Tony Corbyn, the you know that wouldn't let you away with it. So, you know, once I'd got that belief that, you know, I could home my own the tackle and you know, I could pass the ball well, and I could read the game well. That—that's when I felt like maybe Santa midfield was the best position for me.
1: Yeah, there's a really interesting thread in this story because, as I mentioned at the beginning, you you started out at Cliftonville, you then moved back to the Reds in 2006. What was that like going back second time red It was.
0: See, to be honest, it was Tommy Breslin. It was, it was incredible. Cliftonville at that stage were playing a brand of football in the Irish League under Eddie Patterson that no one had seen. You know, he was, he was very advanced. Credit where credit's due. He wanted to play football on the ground. Irish League, like I said before, was known for being physical, for being tough. You know, you get stuck in for the first 60, for the first say 20-25 minutes you earn the right to play that's the way it was Eddie changed that Eddie just wanted to play football right from the minute go. and he had young lads a young team full of players like George McMahon Connor Derney, Francis Murphy who all looked like they were really enjoying the football and I was leaving cold rain obviously packing all about to be through some financial difficulties and I was offered to go to or Lauren offered me a contract and Nuri as well at the time and I met Tommy Breslin and I met Eddie and as soon as I met them I just knew that I wanted to go back to Mm Clintonville. and that was it. The player, Sean Friars, he was playing for Liverpool as a kid, Northern Ireland captain and stuff. I don't think I'd want to see this kid play him left foot as good as anyone as you'll see they We're just surrounded by those type of players you know good footballers who basically were brave on the ball and just played a different brand of football and I thought that would suit me so that's what I went and done
1: Yeah I mean every time I watch Cliftonville from afar here in Scotland you know it's a really great setup at Solitude isn't it that the fans although not at the moment with Covid but the fans are really passionate they get right behind their team and there's a little bit of pressure on them as well because obviously on the other side of the city Linfield are the, the powerhouse of Northern Irish League football Glentoran are also very passionate as well Crusaders have certainly been growing In stature all the time It's very important Of course Belfast That the Cliftonville are strong side as well Oh of course Listen Livingfield are the benchmark For any club in our league You know that, that That's what you're looking to You know To, to get your standards up to But
0: as, as a Cliftonville player The pressure is That you've got to play with a style. You've got to play for the badge You've got to have a want And a desire You know To really What is it How could you describe it You know To basically run through A brick wall And that's being honest If the fans see a player like that Honestly they'll fall in love with you And you'll You'll never want to leave the club And that's being genuine If they see someone Who's willing to leave Lay everything on the line For them every Saturday The fans will absolutely adore you Mm -hmm. And if you get enough of those players around you, you know, the, the, Ardmore, Ar- 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 New Lodge, Newington, West Belfast. When you grow up, Cliftonville your team, you know, in those areas, and see if you what, what we were lucky with, we had mostly players from those areas, mm-hmm. you know, in that team. So when we went out, we all wanted to be Cliftonville players, and we would all do anything for Cliftonville. So that's where we were lucky. Yeah. Whereas East Belfast is the same. They have a catchment area where it's all um, you know, Glen Torn. And in certain areas, uh, sorry, at certain areas, er- at certain times, they'll maybe get five or six good players that will come through and really want to play for Glen Torn. Limfield, the same. Crusaders, the same. And is the same. And that's just the way it's been. Mm-hmm. Crusaders have been very good for a few years because they had players that wanted to give everything for Crusaders. Glentoran will come good again. I'm sure. You know, once they get their academy up and running, and obviously that full time model going on at the minute, that they'll have those players that want to play for the club. And when you have those players, it makes some difference. So the pressure really from the fans comes from you know that demand of they know what if what it means to, or what it means to play for Clifton. Well, does that make sense? You know, like yes. They they see players like myself, George McMullen, Ryan Ketney, and they will always judge uh, maybe Donnelly, Jodie Tolan. They will judge players that commend of the club on the on us, if you know what I mean. And yeah. that that's what you've got to live up to. You know, people like Chris Connell and stuff who give everything for the club.
1: Yeah, well you mentioned Ryan Catney and Chris Connell you just mentioned there as well. They were two powerhouses of that Cliftonville side back in the day, weren't they?
0: Yeah, well, Brand was just an absolute beast. I, I, I played against him. When I played for Glen Arden, I played against him. And honestly, 90 minutes, he's snapping at your ankles. He's, you know, dead legs, digs in the back, digs in the ribs. And me and him, actually, I'll tell you a good story. We were playing together against Dungannon a game and we were warming up down Dungannon and the two of us went in for a 50-50 aces in the warm-up Grant by the way <laughs> and we got up and we started just punching ahead of each other in the warm-up and we was broke up and we looked around and the whole Dungannon team was standing looking at, looking at us we shook hands back in the change room and we knew right then that we had the Evans beat that day because it was just that passion in us, you know. Like, yeah. no one was going to beat us, and that's that's just the way we were. You no, know, cats was just a pain in the backside. Chris was just an absolute beast of a man. A, a nicer guy you couldn't meet, you know. Mm-hmm. But obviously, led by example on the football pitch, would would, would do things. If you, he wouldn't do anything. You know, he wouldn't ask anything of you, he wouldn't do it for himself, but like at Chris, and he just would run through a brick wall and would put everything on the line for you, so you kind of felt obliged to, to, to do the exact same when he was your captain and he was leading from the front.
1: What was Eddie Patterson's training methods like? Did you enjoy the way he approached training sessions and matches?
0: I I loved it, it was all, um, it was at the end of my, well I was a stage in, at Rain where I um, Alfie Whaley came in, he's a renowned coach for you, he's yep. coaching the, the ladies' team now. Alfie done all small set of games and it was all new and innovative, you know, small boxes, quick passes, two touch. It was brilliant. And then, Addie, basically, when the cutoff, it was just a, a development of that. He just, small set of games, lots of speed, restricted touches, good movement, and it was all those, you, you actually loved going to training, you know, because. You're getting loads of football. Very little running. As long as you put it in, in the in the actual training sessions. He, he didn't mind, you know, not doing eighty yard runs, ninety yard runs. He didn't do any of that nonsense. As long as you got the good high tempo good intensity and small set of games, he was he was happy enough, and it was it was very very good training.
1: Yeah, a lot of my listeners are really intrigued when I tell them about the County Antrim Shield because obviously we talk a lot about the Irish League, the League Cup, and obviously the Gibson Cup, which is the the Irish League itself. But the County Antrim Shield has a big significance in Irish League folklore as well, doesn't it?
0: Well, it's a massive trophy, literally, it's a massive trophy. If anyone hasn't seen it, it because because you he's
1: won it twice as a player at Cliftonville.
0: <laughs> yeah, here, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a great trophy to win. It was always the first trophy of the season that was available. So to get a trophy, any trophy is good. And because it's County Antrim, you've got to play the teams from Belfast in it. You know, you've got to beat the best teams. It's not as if, with the greatest respect, Glen Avenue are a great club and Portadown are a great club, but you don't have to beat, you know, in the Irish Cup. They're 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 part of the Irish Cup setup, but Glentoran, Linfield are always going to be there thereabouts in every single cup. Turned down from Shield you still have to beat them, Grant. Yeah, so and then you've got no teams, what, like, you you you've got teams
1: like Larne, Glentoran, um, Carrick Rangers, and they're all very competitive clubs at that tournament, and it's a very competitive event to win. And this season especially, as we're recording this, two cracking semi finals between your old team against Glentoran and Larne Linfield
0: but uh, listen especially see to get pressure off you as a manager it's less games I think it's only what is it four games and you're probably at a final because it's obviously the only teams at down them. so four games you have a chance to get a monkey off your back straight away by winning a cup
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know and Cliftonville done it last year and it was Paddy's first trophy sure. and it was brilliant for him because it just straight away it relieves the pressure he's a winner he's won something at Cliftonville so now it dies in time mm-hmm. so at the same every club like Lauren this year at maybe under a wee bit more pay than what he has been in previous years you know to win something mm-hmm. he's had his, his honeymoon period so to speak maybe without the manager and this is a great opportunity for Lauren to go and win a trophy again Glenn Thorne for all the good stuff that they've done last year they've started off a bit bad this season two more games and they could be walking away with the first trophy of the season yeah. you know that that's just hard quick t- football can turn and you know, it, it is a good trophy
1: to win. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Cliftonville winning last year because that was an extraordinary end to that game, wasn't it, against Ballymina? You know, two late goals, you, you can't get any better than that. It was almost like yeah. Manchester United against Bernadette for 99 style. And Grant,
0: worst about it, Grant, I left early. <laughs> I swore <laughs>
1: I remember where I was that night actually I'll tell you a story when I'm on this I was playing a darts tournament up at Tarvis in the northeast of Scotland and I had my phone out in the bar watching the game while my teammates are playing and I saw it was 1-0 and I was the only one engrossed in this and everybody sort of looking over my shoulder and saying why the hell am I watching this so I tell you this is a cracking game and I was the only one that was cheering I wasn't, I wasn't cheering because I was wanting a certain team to win I was a cheering because it was just an unbelievable event that the way it rolled out and everyone was looking at me saying this is weird why are you watching this and i was like it's actually more interesting than this darts game they were playing because we was getting <laughs> beat
0: <laughs> i, I swear i couldn't believe it. it wasn't even on the radio i couldn't find it on my radio in my car and then i was driving up and i said the uh, the fella who was with me my um wife's sister's boyfriend i says stick out on your phone you know because it was obviously on bbc yeah and by the time he had it loaded up it was one each And I said, you're joking me. And I wasn't even at the bottom of the road yet to get out of Windsor. (laughs) Of course, by the time I actually got to the bottom of the road, it was 2-1 to Cliftonville, I was going to turn back and head to the social club but I want to end up about 3 or 4 in the morning and this is what I drew me <laughs> at a house so probably best best just heading home I thought but I was absolutely gutted left because I've seen the scenes back oh, and it uh, looked unbelievable.
1: That's an incredible story that you've shared with me and if anybody involved with my darts team that I was sharing in that story feels bad about that, a big shout out to my darts team, the Tollbooth booth um, pub. Ayr in the northeast of Scotland, and Ellen, who I part of, and I really enjoy playing for those teams. Just want to cover my arse there before I go any further. Um, so you're, you're at Cliftonville. There's a period in that time where you go out on loan to Shamrock Rovers down in the League of Ireland. What was that like as an experience? It was
0: uh, it was unbelievable. It was uh, football-wise, it wasn't the greatest. time In my career, I didn't play too much. I think play, I only played only about eight games. But uh, in regards of like what I picked up from it, working with the players that I work with, and working with the managers and the staff that I work with, it was um I would never change it from what I've took from it. I still speak about you know what I learned off Michael O'Neill, He was the manager. Mm-hmm. Um travelling up and down with him every day well not every day but maybe one or two days a week being able to pick his brains for that team you know invaluable to what I've learned. and again with Tommy Wright who went on to manage in Johnston and win stuff in the Irish League and
1: uh, Absolutely. Stephen Bradley
0: famous, mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable and Stephen Bradley who is a current Shamrock over manager at the minute, who I still keep in touch with you know being able to just sit and have conversations about football from a different perspective because it was full time remember mm-hmm. I was always part time in the Irish League Yeah, so going down there and train as a full-time footballer with the staff and the like players that were there. It was. Brilliant, brilliant time for me in regards of you know like self learning, self development. But football always it wasn't great. It was uh, I had a group good debut against um, Derry City, and then a nightmare the next game. And then Meagles big in the trust. So I mean, if he doesn't trust you, you lose his trust. Takes a while to get it back, and unfortunately, I just I got it back for a while. But you know, it was just too late. But he had the team that he trusted, and unfortunately, I was out of the picture. But listen, it was a, it was a brilliant experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pulling. I've just pulled up a really interesting. Document Here from a match in 2009 um, Rovers against Tabernian, uh, a 1-0 win You're in this team alongside Jeremy O'Carroll, a, another previous guest I've had on the show, Sean O'Connor As you've mentioned, and you're up against a Hibs side Which include Witherspoon, Colin Nish, Derek Riordan um, Yves Macalambi, The goalkeeper, that's a very strong hip side I
0: actually Remember that game, um, was brilliant Um well, I think it was the first game I played, or I think I might a play against Newcastle United as well. Yeah, on a, like a and a bounce game, and Joey Barton was playing, and Colatini, uh, Alan Smith. And we got beat one nil that game but me and derby didn't actually know until years after that we actually played the same team. We had, no obviously a clip we were speaking one day and he was saying what about this and what about that and I says he says to me, Did you play uh, a bounce game against Hibbs? And I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh I did and Derby says I was playing too so it was like literally a load of like trallis, but a load of players looking to play for Sean Grover's all through together and it just so happened <laughs> he was on the same pitch as me and really. with no idea.
1: But what was it like Coming up against Barton and Colaccini Who of course Colaccini has been at World Cups And things like that
0: Oh he was um, He was unbelievable Barton was I have to say Barton was great Like as, as I mean Speaking to you And you know Before the game And after the game He was just starting Tough to play against So sharp You know Just those little movements And that little burst of speed I know mean, you wouldn't think it About Joey Barton And like Alan Smith And players like that But they just have this thing Over two or three yards Where it's probably The difference between between being part time and full time, mm-hmm. and their decision making, like they never ever give the ball away, even if it's a simple pass, it's a forward pass, but it's it's always the right decision. So, you know, getting a chance to play against all the players, you know, people who maybe say, oh, I, you know, they come back from England and they don't want to play part time football, you know, they're very foolish because you get to go to Europe, you get to play friendlies against prestigious clubs. So, mm-hmm. they're all great experiences that I've had.
1: In that snapshot that you had, that experience of playing jo- against Joey Barn, did you expect him to Go into management at some point in the future? Uh,
0: see, to be honest, I, I wouldn't have known then if I'm, if I'm being 100% honest, Grant, but I know speaking to people over here that he's done his badges over here, you know, for the IFA, the same as myself, who have done them. And apparently he, he's very well read and very well educated, but he struggled a little bit on the coaching side. So, you know, it just goes to show you management's completely different than coaching. Yeah. He, he probably He can probably. You know, delegate the best people for the best jobs, and that's why he's doing well for himself at Fleetwood. But mm-hmm. as regards stepping on the pitch, the, the kind of like the way Brayton Rogers done, or you know, even Jared Little does. You know, he's a manager who goes on the pitch and he, he loves being involved in the coaching side of it. Yeah, it, it's, there's a complete, there's, there's a big difference. So Joey Barton may be one of those managers like Martin O'Neill who just manages. Yeah. But uh, then looking at him, I never would have thought thing, but you know, fair play to him. he's doing really
1: well if he would, so. Yeah, he absolutely is, as yeah. we are recorded this anyway, uh, doing particularly well near the top of uh, League One So after that little period at Shad at Shamrock you then moved to the Lurgan Blues, Glenavon what was that like as an experience?
0: Again, Grant that was Marty Quinn, he was now at Avon and I was on the way up the road and from Dublin I was back at Cliftonville training and you know, I was made clear that I wasn't wanted there, so Again, there was no no grudges or anything. I kind of knew then that you know this is what you are in football. You're just a slab of meat, and once you once you're you're no of no use, you're gone. So away went uh, Glen Avon and I have to admit it's probably the least enjoyable time in my football career in regards, um, playing. You know, starting every game, but never played well. Uh, but that reason, that the fans probably didn't didn't have a good relationship with fans because I was playing bad, and rightly so. If you're not playing bad, or if you're not playing well, by the fans, like you so I wasn't really playing well. Fans were kind of on my back because they expected more. I expected more of myself, and it was a real frustrating time. You know, results weren't good, even though we had a good team. But um cracking players from down south, yeah, playing like like McDonough, um Who else was it? Uh, I forget his name It'll we'll come back to me In a second But we had a, a, Some quality Quality players Tony Grant that Was was a legend Of a centre forward In both the League of Ireland And Irish League And we just We just couldn't put A, a sustained run together Or any sort of You know Any sort of performance It was just a stop start, And nothing went well And I was frustrated The fans were frustrated The manager was frustrated And it just one of them Things I just couldn't wait To get out of there and I think after Maybe three weeks I phoned Gerard Lawler and I asked him Could he get me back to
1: Clifton?" Mm-hmm. And and back to Cliftonville you go. And this is the really great part of your story because you know not only do you go back there, but this is probably where you have probably your your best times at the club. I mean, winning a Gibson Cup, the the management under Tommy Breslin, and then that opportunity to that have that two matches against Celtic, quite extraordinary well, times. Real,
0: real quick, How it happened was I finished the game on a, It was a Thursday night. Or Tuesday night, sorry, it was one of our last games of the January transfer, it was actually the 31st of January, I forget it, and I, Marty Quinn called me in his office and says, listen, Cliftonville, have want you back, they've offered a couple of quid and we're willing to take it, what do you think, and I "It's right, and I drove to Gerard Lawler's house, who's the Cliftonville chairman, in the markets in Belfast, and I came in and I says, right, Gerard, get this done, stand in Gerard's kitchen. It's everything's signed and done and Jared Ger- I turned around and said to away, I said, by the way, I'm gonna in a week and he bust out laughing, he says, We'll speak about it on Thursday. So I was on a good wage at and I had to come home to my missus and tell her this i just saying for Cliftonville, she was shocked because obviously women being women just love the money. <laughs> and hope, hopefully she's not listening, <laughs> but um, she was she was shocked. There I'll out in the house. I'll be in the tree house. She was shocked, and it turns out that yes, certainly I took a massive pay cut to go back to Cliftonville, but it didn't care. I just wanted to play football. I wanted to play for Cliftonville, and and that was it. You know. I went back there and had, like you said, I had the best, the best time of my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, quite an extraordinary... I mean, I've got the stats here. Well, uh, uh, this is the stat. I wish I had Marshall Gillespie's stats, because I'm sure they're more correct than way I've got in front of me here. But 240, 240 appearances uh, for the club the third time around, um, the 15 goals. You must have an excess of around about 400 appearances for the club, or just short of 400 appearances in your three spells. That's fantastic going.
0: And, you know, looking back, there, there is a wee hinge of regret, maybe should I have ever left, but to go to Shamrock Rovers, I think I had to do it. I don't think no one could begrudge me a chance of full time football. So certainly I went there, but the, the rest of the, the Glen Avenue, I wish I'd never have done But go back to Cliftonville, it was by far and away. It just worked. You know, we had Ryan Catney there, we had Tommy Breslin, Mark Smith, uh, Connor. Evelyn. Honestly, Peter Murray was assistant manager at Brzezny. Jared Little was coach. Everything about it that team was just professionalism, quality, and the players. Honestly, Ronan Scannell would have started for any Irish knee club. Anyone, and with Liam Boyce, who just from that season on just progressed quicker than. They always had the talent, but just finally. And consistently the par- the the par- show the town yeah.
1: they had and the partnership Liam Boyce had with Joe Garmley, who is still scoring goals for Cliftonville just unbelievable
0: well, Grant, you know what it was it's like, Tommy Breslin, God rest his soul, was the luckiest manager ever, what happened was Tommy, Chris Connell who was was spoke about earlier, was our captain and our like our talisman, he's all we looked up to he actually um, tore his Achilles tent and but I don't think, it was either Tommy didn't have time to bring another standard forward in, and Joe was the only one we had. So it ended up we had to throw Joe in. And then Joe just became this absolute phenomenon of goal scoring. And him and Liam Boyce had this partnership. Boyce, he must have set him up easy for two-thirds of his goals. I have to say, you know, Boyce, is so unselfish, and he put everything on a plate for Joe. And we, it was just... For the first 20 minutes of every game We just turned people And were aggressive and pressed them And you knew without doubt If they had two or three chances The first 20 minutes You were going to be one or two up And that, yeah. that's just the way We approached every game
1: Yeah I still watch back That final match Against Linfield at solitude, That solitude That title winning afternoon uh, Back on YouTube now and again The wonderful commentary From Jackie Fullerton Who's still going strong Hi to Jackie If he's listening to this Tremendous Tremendous yeah. game of football
0: I won a game, you know, we knew we were going to win the league. It was just a matter of when. But the, the expectation that day, you know, your biggest rivals coming to your home ground. The stand was filled. They opened up the big north stand. It's jam-packed. You can't move getting up the you know, the actual Cliftonville Road. It was a great day for a match. You know, we are winning. They are winning. You know, it all comes down to a last minute penalty with your captain, the clip legend George McMull has a chance to win the league. Honest to God, if you were writing a movie script, you wouldn't have read it the way it was. It all panned out. And you know, to win it that way on that day was just, it was, it just, I see still now thinking about it, you don't believe it happened, but you know it did. It's just, it's it's incredible. An incredible time and it
1: was it was one of my best days ever. I'm, I bet the scenes afterwards with the fans and you know, the atmosphere winning that and then the celebrations afterwards, you must have partied for days.
0: <laughs> well, the <Mrs>. <proud of> <laughs> Mrs was pregnant, Grant, so I was kind of in the bad books for a couple of days, <laughs> <laughs> because I did get a bit excessive, but we had never won, uh, like I would never won the league, I have been happy to win, when we won our first league cup, I would a happily retired, uh, you know, at, at any stage of my career, knowing that I'd won something with Cliftonville, but to go on and win the league, well let's just say the party just got started, <laughs> it yeah. was insane, I, Um. um you know, bus, open tap bus runs and every bar you went into, you couldn't put your hand in your pocket. Um, the social club that night was, it was crazy. You couldn't move it and, you know, we were all brought in and brought up on the stage and had a sing song on the stage. I'm sure there's YouTube footage you of it somewhere, but it was honestly, we, we, we were a very tight knit team and, those type of events just that you know bonded is even more so those type of events sorry, bonded is even more so it was, a, it was a, like an
1: amazing time absolutely superb now obviously Cliftonville you know have had decent form in Europe you know they've they've had matches against the New Saints in the past and Kalmar of Sweden but undoubtedly the biggest game I've seen um, Cliftonville play of recent times was that match against Celtic what was that like to, to take up that opportunity that match up against Celtic
0: it was it was crazy. Um obviously being a Celtic fan and we do had a chance to draw Celtic, but I was working at Bombardier at the time, you know uh part of the or, or, like the wing production and I actually had to take a half day. I was just in that much shock. I got the news through Jared Lauretex, we've got Celtic and I couldn't believe it. Just had to say right a bus to take a half day. Home. I just I was in complete another shock. I couldn't believe that I was going to get the chance to play Celtic. So, like, if it was picked see if anyone had a kick me in training before that grant. I swear to God I'd never forget him. If yeah. anyone had to injured me, I would have strangled him. <laughs> so it was just everything, like I mean everything just meant so much to get to this match. And something like to come over and play at Solitude, a proper competitive game because they have played friendlies and sent over reserve teams and stuff like that. But they actually see, you know, Scott Brown, Chris Commons, Lee Griffiths, you know, Forrest, even big Craig Gordon was playing then. You know, to see these players at, at Solitude was just incredible.
1: Yeah, I remember watching that game here in, in Scotland, and you know, at the time I, I I didn't really follow the Northern Irish League as much as I do now, and I remember watching it and thinking. Celtic at that time were, were, were doing okay. They weren't doing magnificently, and they were maybe a little bit weak in patches. But you know, you guys certainly competed well. And uh, over the two legs, he's, he's lost five 0 but it didn't look like a five 0 match.
0: No, and especially the away leg. I think um, because it was a bigger, pit, you know, like at Solitude it was a dry pitch, and obviously I would to you know, probably want to hinder him a bit as well. But over the uh, Celtic Park, you know, under floodlights and getting the play on the pitch all watered, it really suited us, and we knocked the ball about really well. When he lost two 0 over there, mm-hmm. and I uh, we think there's a there's an actual clip because we always talk about it. You no know, amongst ourselves, this clip up there it was a passage of play. It was 26 passes or 27 passes, and Liam Boyce literally just took off his toe on a touchline. It would have been one of the best goals. That that like that Cliftonville team had scored, so no, I think we give a really good account of ourselves, and our fans were delighted. They had the the, the party that, that they wanted and probably they deserved. And the Celtic fans stayed and applauded us off the pitch, so I think they appreciated you know the fact that we we're part-time players and came and didn't just sit in, but tried to actually have a have a pop at them and have and play a wee bit. You know, mm. they appreciated it too, so it was nice.
1: Yeah, did you get anyone's shirt after any of the two games?
0: <laughs> I've actually. Uh, Tony Watt came over one of the friendly games against Celtic, and I've always stayed in touch with him, believe it or believe it not. So I got Tony's jersey the first game,
1: and of course he's very synonymous with that goal against Barcelona.
0: of course Of course I, mean, I think it's hanging up I gave it to George McWallon For his testimonial And I think now It's hanging up At the wall In solitude When we go over And then Obviously the one I kept Was Scott Brown You know Obviously one of my heroes Now The Celtic team So got his Jersey And he was very complimentary As well You know He was nice And a couple of good things Said about me in the daily record And stuff So no It was a all round It was a, an incredible Experience for me
1: And you have that Memories to cherish Forevermore But that season You mentioned of course That your wife Was pregnant with your child at the time and obviously winning the league it almost felt like the perfect storm was happening this time
0: Here, you know what it was it was it, my, my child was born right and I, I knew I'd have one league medal and then Silly us, me and my wife, Thanks, who was pregnant again, <laughs> seven weeks later, with my second one. So I felt the blaze to win a second medal for my second son. <laughs> So it was one of those ones. It was one of those ones. <laughs> Shit, they can't really just have one medal between two. So I was lucky. Like you say, it was a perfect storm with a Kraken team, with a good mix of youth and experience. We brought in Chris Kern. Uh, who gave us an extra wee lift Marty Murray was in real good form as well then for us so we just kicked on again didn't start the season too well but at the turn of the year, I think we went. It was fifteen, sixteen games unbeaten, and and we got that second league, you know, um, league win, which we always say, you know, good teams win it once, but great teams win it twice.
1: Absolutely fantastic memories for you to share. That's for sure. The last club that you were at was Carrick Rangers. I mentioned Carrick at the at the beginning of this. What was that like to move from Cliftonville after such a long period of time over to Carrick?
0: I, was, I think I was 34 and I uh, fractured my kneecap the year before for Cliftonville, um, on St. Stephen's Day. I fractured my kneecap, that's Boxing Day, so a fractured my kneecap, obviously done pre-season with Cliftonville, but I just—I didn't think I was going to play at all, and to be fair, um, everyone at the club was honest with me and just says, look, you may sit in the bench and you may be yes, and I want to help you out, but what do you think? And to be, I just wanted to play and finish my career and I thought, you know what? Maybe go and help my mate Gary Havern, who's now first team coach at Lauren. Had Gary on the
1: show. Help. Gary, superb.
0: He's a brilliant fella, and I knew him from the days of Korean as well, and we've always stayed in touch. So, Gary says, Look, what do you think? And you can do a bit of coaching as well, and we'll get your first. Part of your B license paid for and stuff like that. So I just thought to myself, I'm getting out of age. Maybe it's time to start concentrating on the badges, getting a bit of coaching, but still playing a bit. So, listen, it was a good move for me. I don't regret it one bit again. Again, magic people at the club for such a small club. Mm-hmm. You know, a provincial club stuck away in Fergus away from Belfast. They um, you, you couldn't want for anything more than, than what those people could give. You know, they but they didn't have much, but. All the strats, everything they try and get you, but you know what you needed and what you wanted. So, again, we kept ourselves up that year in the league. But didn't get relegated, didn't boss ourselves in any games, mm-hmm. All was very competitive, so it was, it was a good way to finish my career, you know, not getting relegated in a small club and staying up and uh, I'll never have that black mark of a relegation
1: over What a fantastic way Carrick stayed up under Gary, I remember that match with Balna the two late goals, Mark Surgeoner and then Miguel Chinez with the overhead kick and stop his time, just unbelievable scenes. <laughs> it
0: was great, I think I celebrated as much at you know, at that moment, as it did in any part of my career, and that includes winning the leagues and the cups. I swear to God, the emotion was unreal. And Miguel, he, he's a kid. He never lets me forget the time he not made me in he probably not made me the best or I He mean, not made my life. Still, reminds me of it once a week in a WhatsApp group that we're all in. But his overhead kick that day, to finish it was absolutely. It was unbelievable and. Like I say, for Gary, I was delighted. For Steve Mills, his assistant, it was delighted. So it was, a, it was a great way to finish
1: my career. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. You're currently doing your coaching at the moment, but what you're also doing is you're involved in a great podcast called That's What I Call Football, that I listen to with Gareth um, as well. And Jared uh, Little is on the show, Gareth Folden. What What is that like, being involved with those guys? Because they know the Irish League like yourself, inside out. Oh, they're
0: that's... Jackie's son, obviously you know Gareth and Darren is yeah. two sons. Yeah, they're um great guys. They're more or less their dads you know, the Irish, the Irish League legend, and if anyone knows anything about Irish League football, Jackie's and, and, brilliant. Jackie, and, and see to be honest, George's brilliant. He knows everything. You know, he knows every single player's knowledge is outstanding. So we'll go on. It's it's a bit like this, Grant. We'll go on and we'll have a bit of a laugh, but we we'll talk about the, the previous you know weeks or what we think predictions are going to be. But they have a bit of a laugh, but some. You know, you get some um, absolutely fantastic facts and fantastic knowledge out of it as well, this to M3 fellas. So it's something I really, really enjoy. And we're doing one on Thursday as well yeah. with young Armand Danley, who's a great little kid coming through, who's really, really came to the fore this year and yeah. last year. So it'll be another. Uh, podcast this
1: week. Yeah, I really listened to your chat with Oren Kearney recently and also with Matthew Tipton who's also been on my show and they're really fantastic guys, it's a really good show I really enjoy having spoken with Jared already for my own podcast, he's a really fun guy and you've obviously played with him or played under him, you know a really great guy isn't he?
0: Oh he's top man, listen I played with him I played one friendly game with him, a friendly up in Donegal and that made me say and this he was a coach at Cliftonville we were all hungover still from our league celebrations. Gerard says, can I play? So we'll let him play out of sympathy. Of course, we got a penalty in the last five minutes and he endured. Wanted to hit a penalty and Grant I'm not going to say it. It was the worst penalty I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Skins. He still gets tortured about it. he never turned. it down. He, uh, I think he tried one of those Robana things to keep her suit still and caught it. He could have chested it up, but he never left it down. I think he wanted to get a taxi home from Donegal instead of the bus. So I always get on well with Jared. I love Jared, so we always have a good laugh, you know.
1: I I had a great time when I chatted with Gerald, and I had a really great time chatting with, with Jill as well. And the great thing doing podcasts with yourself and a lot of the Irish League guys is the crack involved with it you guys are so enthusiastic you obviously love your football and it just shines through
0: yeah well we don't take ourselves too serious well, same as Scotty, same as guys you know like we do enjoy a bit of a laugh if you come on here and we just talk about football all the time it's people will not want to listen so I think it's important that you show that you know that human say to you that you do enjoy a laugh and you're not just all serious all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Last question to you, Barry, because we're coming to the end of the show. Um, what does the future hold for yourself? Because as you said, you're doing your coaching at the moment. Um, is that where you sort of see yourself? Do you see yourself maybe managing in the Irish League in the future?
0: Well, uh, like I said, I'm just literally, hopefully this year I'll finish my degree. I'll get, you know, I'll get that finished. And then I've done my license I'm currently managing St. James's Swifts, which is an intermediate league club, over here in you know Northern Ireland. So. Uh, We'll see. We have an opportunity of maybe getting promoted this year if we're we're good enough and strong enough. But, you know, obviously I want to push myself as far as I can as a manager, as a coach. Mm -hmm. And if the opportunities does come up, you know, you'd be foolish not to take them. And I I, I, I genuinely do do speak to Jared a little about it, you know, quite often about, you know, what's the best way to go. And I do ask his opinion of, you know, what he thinks he should do, because it would have been Brazzy before he passed away. And now, church like that that person that I have to torture so no I definitely want to I definitely want to go in the ice league football at some stage as a manager but you know it's just getting the opportunity and picking the right one and hopefully it works out because a lot of it is to do with luck you know we're all we all do our badges and we're all you know we all pick up the same things and we're all told the same things and taught the same things so if you bring your own wee
1: personal touches to it then get a wee bit of luck hopefully you can be a success yeah, absolutely well if it doesn't work out for you yeah, there's a gig for you in the commentary game because as i said i thought you were really <laughs> good on co-cons earlier in the season i thought that was good
0: thank you mate you're enough to your
1: gentleman. yeah no worries well thanks very much Barry great to chat with you on Campbell's Footballs
0: thank you mate and it was a pleasure
1: well listener that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered if you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts you can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs.
0: What a dangerous night.